Hello, my dear listeners. You've once again found your way to Counter Melody, and I, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, am here to present to you the greatest singers who will illuminate our path with their song, guiding us to a brighter day. This week's episode. Greetings, everyone. Today is another episode in my Listener's Favorites series, and I am so honored and thrilled to have my roommate and dear, dear friend David Saverin with me today. Hi, David. Hi, Dan. <laughs> so David and I were talking about how he might do his intro, and I think we arrived at the mutual conclusion that we might do a bit of a dialogue here. Which sounds good. Can you just say a few words, David, about your selection of a favorite episode? Well, first let me say that it is really a delight and an honor to be on this podcast and to be able to promote a singer whose work I really, really love, the African-American contralto Carol Bryce. Well, you have been a guest on the podcast before, haven't you? Yes. You had a little something to say about Jesse Norman and Robert right. Wilson at the time of her right. death. We also did a Dave's Faves episode or something yes. like that a That's couple of years ago. One. There's another one coming in honor of your forthcoming book, which we'll discuss when the time is ripe. I'll just drop in a shameless plug for David right here. His new book is called Tell It to the World, the Broadway Musical Abroad, and it is being published this very month by Oxford University Press. And we will be doing an episode, maybe even two, about many of the works discussed in his book. Okay, back to David. One reason why I really love listening to Cover Melody is that the episode is so impeccably curated. And I always know that I'm listening to the very best performances of a lot of great artists. And that's really what I like most about it. Also, Dan, your careful descriptions that really prepare me to fully understand and digest the music I'm about to listen to. I have just a little something to add, and that is that David has been such a faithful listener and supporter of my efforts, and one of the most valuable comments that he ever gave me was something that he tells his students as well. He said to me, You've got to show me why I should care about this topic, about this artist. That is something that I very much took to heart, and you can hear it as the episodes evolve over time, that I try to really focus in at the beginning of every episode on just a few brief excerpts on what makes that artist, that topic, special. So that is something that you yourself have helped me with. So thank you for that. So tell us about your choice for today. I have a lot of memories associated with Carol Bryce, whom I think was a really great singer. 
I first came across her uh, when I was about 12 or 13 years old, sitting on the floor in our house, going through my grandfather's old 78s. He died when I was five, and there were dozens and dozens of albums of 78s. And I noticed one of El Amor Brujo, conducted by Fritz Reiner, with a singer named Carol Bryce, whom I'd not heard of. And I knew of Defia because I'd heard the three-quartered hat in concert, Boston Symphony. So I put on El Amor Brujo and thought it was wonderful and loved this singer. And I noticed from the photographs that she was a black singer, which I thought was wonderful. I think that recording is from the year 1947. So it's right around the time that things were being issued both on 78 and then just a few short years later also on LP. So your grandfather had the 78 78. There were a few African-American singers at the time, of course. I mean, there's Dorothy Maynard, there's Marian Anderson primarily. But um, Carol Bryce was, I would say, probably of the generation that followed directly on the heels of those two singers in particular, and people like uh, Roland Hayes as well, of course. Right, and I, I didn't know of these other singers, but I, of course I knew about Leontine Price, whom I adored. Right, because um, by the time you heard these, yes. Leontine would have already been on the scene. Yes. yes. So, I did not really come across Carol Bryce until the 1970s again, with the Houston Porgy and Bess. On which she sings the role of Mariah, yes. or I should say performs the role of yes. Mariah, because there's not yes. so much singing in that part, but, but boy, she grabs a, it, it by is, the throat, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah, she really does. It's yeah. such a fabulous performance, and I just love the fact that she always captures the dramatic essence of what she's doing, and yet there's a kind of vocal beauty, a sumptuousness to her singing that... For me, it makes her unique. And of course, there's another aspect of Carol Bryce that also makes her unique. And I think that's something that you became aware of just a few years after that, right? Yeah. Well, in the 90s, when I started teaching musical theater and listening to a lot of musical theater, I came across the revival of Finian's Rainbow, in which she gives such a fabulous performance of necessity. Yes, and that's on the podcast. Yes. yes, and Saratoga as well. Interestingly, the Finian revival is one of the very few recordings that I think is actually better than the original cast. Wow. In large part because of her performance. Yes. And of course, there's also that fascinating Broadway hybrid, right? The Mark Blitzstein. Yes, which I didn't really know at that time. I had mixed feelings about it, Steve, whom I like a lot more now. Yes. Yeah, and then finally was discovering the grass harp. Which right, I think is probably the greatest musical that nobody's ever heard of. Right. Which I think has a really, really fabulous score. Yes, and the only extant recording of that, it, since it had such a short life on Broadway, it, they, it would happen to have been recorded live, and it was that oh, live recording. recording. That's not a studio recording. That's a live recording, isn't it? It's a studio recording. If you say so, the, the one, one I'm played 
was different, was not the same. There's a studio recording of That's this? That's what I have. This is so typical of the kind of discussion that we have between the two of us every single day. So maybe I stand corrected, maybe not. I'm not sure. But so there is a studio recording of it. There is a studio recording with Karen Mason and Carol Bryce. And Barbara Cook. And Barbara Cook. I mean, it's an amazing cast. And every song is a gem. And Carol Bryce's songs are so, so gorgeous. And I think I play two of those. Yeah. You know, and um, there's, uh, yeah. yeah, the one very soulful number. And then, uh, I suppose, the adjective that comes to mind is sassy, although I sort of hate that. Yes, because sassy. It's, but it's sexy, too, you yeah, know? It is. That marry it me is. a little, isn't that? Wait, yeah. what's it and called? And it's just so clever. Yeah. And, and she just thrives on the words. That's another yes. great thing about her, right? Yes. And I think that she always gets to the very heart of what she's singing. Yes. Um, no matter what it is. Yes, exactly. And she had a recording contract in the early years of her career with Columbia, and that was the basis of those recordings with Fritz Reiner, the song recital with her brother Jonathan playing piano, the Bach arias. This was very unusual for a black artist at that time to have an important recording contract like that. So... We're very lucky, and that contributes greatly to our appreciation of her that those recordings exist. Well, I thank you very much, Daniel, for rescuing these recordings and reintroducing us to a great artist. I'm so happy to be the conduit for that, but I also want to encourage people to do their own kind of exploration and to find these things for themselves. As David said, I do curate. I listened very carefully and I found the things that I thought represented her at her absolute best. And there's some real rarities on there as well, including a couple live recordings. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Here's Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Guntlach, and as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Welcome to Counter Melody and Black History Month 2021. Today we're going on a journey with the great African-American contralto, Carol Price.
How do I love Carol Price? Let me count the ways. I think she is one of the most versatile, beautifully voiced singers that America has produced. She's always connected to the deeper meaning of the music. She is committed to communication. And not only that, but she seeks out the emotional essence of all of the music that she sings. And she sang a wide variety of repertoire, as we will see. Before I tell you more about her story, let's listen to her in one more selection from that 1947 recital recording that she made with her brother Jonathan. This is the wonderful Italian song, Lungi dal caro bene, by Giuseppe Sarti. Bryce was born on January 16, 1918, in Indianapolis. Her father was a chaplain and minister. 
and her mother was an educator and a musician who had also pursued a career as a singer. Because her mother was gone so frequently from home, Carol's father took her and her siblings to North Carolina when she was only a year and a half old and gave custody of those children to his wife's cousin, Charlotte Hawkins Brown. Charlotte Hawkins Brown ran the only finishing school for African Americans in the United States at that time. Perhaps it's not surprising then that in such an environment, all three of the Bryce children, Carol, Jonathan, and their brother Eugene, all became musicians. Although I don't dwell on him here, Eugene had a concert career as a classically trained baritone. Carol Bryce's talents were apparent at a very early age. At the age of 13, she won an award in a North Carolina competition as the best contralto voice. She toured with a group called the Sedalia Singers, which were affiliated with the Palmer Memorial Institute, where her aunt was the director. She became acquainted with many important persons who were benefactors and supporters of the Institute. She eventually went to college in Alabama, and upon graduation, she moved to New York, where her mother, by this point divorced from her father, and her brother, Jonathan, were both living. She attended Juilliard and studied under Frances Rogers. While she was in New York, she appeared with Bill Robinson in the musical called The Hot Mikado, which was being staged at the New York World's Fair. It was an all-black cast. In 1943, she was the first African-American singer to earn the Nomberg Foundation Award. The prize included a recital at New York City's Town Hall, which was, at the time, probably the most important recital venue. Here, from around that same time, is a recording that was made to be played on the Armed Forces Radio. This is the song Come to the Fair. It's a British light classical song. Maybe some of you will remember that Kiri Tekanwa had an album in the mid-80s called Come to the Fair. I wanted to dance to 
Bryce began to receive important engagements on the concert platform and was renowned for her work in a wide range of styles. She was also given a recording contract by Columbia Records. One of her Columbia releases was a 1947 recording of Bach arias, two from Magnificat, two from the B minor mass. A review of this recording that appeared in the New York Times notes that her voice is big, smooth in texture, and wide in range, and she uses it expressively. She is not yet a great artist, but if she continues to improve as steadily as these records indicate, she is on her way. This is a portion of the Esurientes from the Magnificat. summer, Carol Bryce was the first African-American soloist to appear with the Boston Symphony Orchestra. She sang the Brahms Alto Rhapsody under Serge Gusevitsky at Tanglewood on August 3, 1946. Almost a year ago, just as the pandemic was beginning to assert itself, I did a number of episodes on countermelody called Music for a World in Crisis. At that time, I included the entire performance of the Alto Rhapsody with Carol Bryce and Kusevitsky. In this instance, I'm just presenting you the final section of the piece, where the soloist and the male chorus sing together, Ist auf deinem Zalter, Vater der Liebe, ein Ton seinem Ohre vernehmlich, so erquicke sein Herz. Dear Father of Love, if there is in your songbook one single note that could reach the ear of this tortured soul, then let it refresh his heart.
another conductor who was a very important mentor for Carol Bryce was Fritz Reiner, who used her in several recordings, including his recording with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra of Manuel de Falla's El Amor Brujo, which uses a flamenco-style singer in several of the movements. This is the song Canción del Amor Dolido, the song of injured love. From that recital recording of Carol and Jonathan Bryce, we now hear the Manuel de Falla song Seguidille. This is not the Seguidille from the seven popular Spanish songs. This is instead an original composition by de Falla, set to a French text by the poet Théophile Gautier that describes the appearance and carefree affect of a working-class Spanish woman. Kudos to Jonathan Bryce, who was clearly an exceptional pianist. 
It's only natural that with Carol Bryce's gorgeous contralto voice that she would be asked to sing the music of Gustav Mahler. The music of Mahler was just beginning to re-enter the public consciousness, thanks to the performances of conductors such as Bruno Walter, Dmitri Metropolis, and, of course, eventually Leonard Bernstein. Fritz Reiner was not a natural Mahlerian, and yet this recording that he made in 1947 of the Songs of a Wayfarer, Lieder eines fahrenden Gesellen, with Carol Bryce as the soloist, was an important contribution to the early recorded output of Mahler. This is the final song of the cycle, Die zwei blauen Augen von meinem Schatz. I love this song. The final section uses one of those Mahler self-quotes, where he uses material from his early cantata, Das klagende Lied, as the singer describes finding peace from all of his sufferings as he lies underneath a linden tree, where sleep and oblivion finally bring him peace. Thank you. 
Here we have a song by a once very well-established leader composer named Robert Franz, who today is virtually forgotten. On this recital recording with Jonathan Bryce, Carol Bryce sings three songs of Robert Franz. I'm going to offer you one called Im Frühling in the springtime. In spite of the carefree sound of the music, it actually describes the springtime blues, if you will. The singer is unable to explain why she is feeling such grief, and at the end she hears a little bee buzzing around her and thinks, if this bee would sting me, at least then I would have a reason to be in pain. Ein Blümchen pick ich hin und wieder und steck es träumend an die Brust. Horch auf der Vögel süße Lieder, doch fehlt zum Singen mir die Lust. Und wenn die Wolken blau und blauer im Licht ohne sich verwehen, so überkommt mich fast wie Trauer und nimmer weiß ich's zu verstehen. Ein Impfchen summt im steten Kreise, wie notes Lied in meiner Nähe, wenn es mich stechert, leise, leise. Ich wüsste dann mein From some primary source material that I discovered online, it is clear that Carol Bryce, usually accompanied by her brother Jonathan, always included German leader on the recitals that they did together. But I would not say that German music was the primary focus of her career. There is, however, a near contemporary of Carol Bryce, another African-American contralto named Lucretia West, whose career was primarily based in Germany and who was renowned for her interpretations of Mahler and Lieder and who was a favorite of such conducting giants as Hans Knappertsbusch and Dmitri Metropolis. For those who support my Counter Melody podcast through a monthly subscription via Patreon, I am publishing today a separate episode on Lucretia West, featuring her singing Mahler, Brahms, Schubert, and spirituals in recordings from the 1950s. For those who wish to support me via Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash countermelody. There, you can make a pledge of a monthly donation anywhere from $2 on up, and you will gain access to all of the bonus episodes that I have published thus far. Not to put too fine a point on it, but during these difficult times, this is my only source of income. And while I know we're all struggling, 
I wanted to make these episodes available to people for the smallest possible monthly contribution. I think it's a pretty good bargain. I hope you'll consider being a subscriber. Thanks. Here's a little teaser for you of Lucretia West singing Schubert. This is a song called Der Geistertanz, in which Lucretia West, accompanied by Leo Taubmann, impersonates some somewhat terrifying, yet primarily playful, ghosts. The dead spirits rise up at the stroke of midnight and dance around the graves and the rotting bones. Though the ghosts disturb the dogs and the ravens, they themselves are very playful, having finally found release from the torments of love in death, burying their grief in the gloomy crypts. I hope you'll join me on Patreon for more Lucretia West. But now, back to Carol Price and an altogether different kind of dance. This is a song called They All Dance the Samba. It's by the German-born, American-naturalized composer Jean Berger, who abandoned his birth name of Arthur Schlossberg when the Nazis seized power in Germany. He fled to Paris, he took on a new name, Jean Berger, and eventually ended up becoming a United States citizen. His encounter with the music of Duke Ellington during those Paris years was a profound influence. He found himself frequently drawn to not just jazz music, but all aspects of African-American musical culture. I think we hear that in the song, They All Dance the Samba. The laundress washes out her clothes beside the river. The fisher mantles in his nets with fish of weaver. The baker's little wife, oh, can you tell me what it is she does? Tell me what it is she does when she makes bread. The quiet businessman is busy in the city. And here am I who make a merry little ditty. But all the people join together and this one thing that they do, they dance the samba from the evening till the dawn. Oh, my Lord, come on, dance, come to me, little dog, I am in love. 
river. The baker's little wife, oh, can you tell me what it is she does? Tell me what it is she does where she makes bread. The quiet business mind is busy in the city. And here am I who make a merry little ditty. But all the people join together in just one thing that they do me that the sun from the evening till the This next song is by the American composer John Alden Carpenter, who was also significantly influenced by jazz. He composed two jazz ballets, one based on the cartoon Crazy Cat and the other called Skyscrapers, which was the first work produced on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera that featured African-American artists on the stage, in this case, dancers. But you don't hear the jazz influence in this song. This is a setting of a poem by Tagore called The Day Is No More. The shadow is upon the earth. It is time that I go to the stream to fill my pitcher. I know not if I shall come back home. I know not whom I shall chance to meet. There, at the fording, in the little boat, an unknown man plays upon his lute.
As far as I have been able to determine, Carol Bryce's career took place exclusively on the concert stage until later in the 1950s. New York City Opera revived the Mark Blitzstein piece called Regina, which is based on Lillian Hellman's The Little Foxes. In that revival, Carol Bryce performed the role of Addie, the black servant to the Giddens household. This is, to my ear, the most beautiful part of the score. It is Addie's song, Night Could Be Time to Sleep, and it is sung to the character of Birdie, the unhappy alcoholic wife of one of the Giddens brothers. Miss Birdie, man, don't! This revival of Regina played on Broadway. Following her success as Addie, Carol Bryce then began appearing much more frequently on the Broadway stage. There were several musicals in a row in which she appeared. Not all of them enormously successful, but we're lucky to have her performances from the original cast recordings of three of those. In late 1959, she appeared in Harold Arlen and Johnny Mercer's musical called Saratoga, which also starred 
Howard Keel, and Carol Lawrence, fresh off her success as Maria in West Side Story. The show was more or less an unmitigated disaster, but it does have several songs that are memorable, and Carol Bryce sings two of them. Here's a song that she sings with a very interesting performer named Odette Myrtille, who was making her final Broadway appearances after a hiatus of many, many years. She had begun in vaudeville as a violinist and a singer, and appeared also in quite a number of Hollywood films in supporting roles. Here she is, alongside Carol Price, singing a song called Gettin' a Man, in which the two characters complain about not being able to do exactly that. Getting a man and getting a husband is two different things. Except for the lace on your corset, they don't want to have any strings. Getting a man and getting a husband is hard, goodness knows. They listen to any proposal as long as they needn't propose. Their attitude while often rude is best described as slow. They understand the promised land but buying the property no. The minute you point a man at the altar is when love takes wings. Cause getting a man who wants to be lovely and getting a man who wants her to happy. I tell you, are two totally different things. Carol Bryce's character in Saratoga is named Kaku, and she is the maid to the Carol Lawrence character. This next song, called Goose Never Be a Peacock, is sung to a character named Cupidon, who is a little person, and who is portrayed by the Mexican actor Tuntun. The message of the song is that one should wholly embrace one's true self rather than trying to be something that one is not. Not bad advice. Don't you start fretting about being a little man. You listen to old Kaku. Takes a whole heap of learning for a person to know. This old world keep a turning, but it turns mighty slow. And it don't matter rightly how you scheme and you plan.
The following year, 1960, Carol Bryce appeared in that magnificent and ultra-left-wing, utterly peculiar piece, Finian's Rainbow, which was being revived from its initial run on Broadway in 1947. Burton Lane and Parberg's score includes an inordinate number of pop standards. This next song, Necessity, is not really a standard but it's a fantastically fun and very sassy song. Here it's performed by Carol Bruce and the chorus. What is the curse that makes the universe bewildering? What is the hoax that just provokes the folks they call God's What is the jinx that gives a buddy and his brother and everyone around the runaround? Necessity, necessity. Monkey ranch a fellow's good intention, that nasty old invention, necessity. Bryce also played Queenie in a 1961 revival of Showboat that was not recorded, and in 1963 she portrayed Harriet Tubman in a very intriguing piece called Gentlemen Be Seated with music by Jerome Morris or Moross. Between 1967 and 1971, she made her home in Vienna, where she was a member of the Wiener Volksoper. Her final original Broadway role was in yet another strange and unsuccessful show called The Grass Harp. The Grass Harp is a musical by the composer Clabe Richardson and the lyricist Kenward Elmsley. It featured an extraordinary number of big stars 
who were involved in the production of this piece at one point or another. Celeste Holm, Elaine Stritch, Barbara Cook, Karen Morrow, and Carol Bryce. It's based on a novel by Truman Capote about an orphaned boy and the two maiden aunts who take him under their wing, even though the show was a miserable failure, attaining only seven regular performances. It is today considered one of the great forgotten gems of the musical stage. Carol Bryce plays the role of Catherine Creek, the servant-slash-companion to one of the sisters. She has three extraordinary songs in this piece, of which I'm going to play two for you. The first one is called If There's Enough Love. This is from the final performance of that run on November 6th, have noticed that the types of songs that Carol Bryce was given to sing in most of these musicals are of two different types. One of them is the Earth Mother who lovingly and generously dispenses advice or observations of profound import, such as Addie's aria in Regina or Goose Never Be a Peacock in Saratoga or this one that we just heard, If There's Enough Love. The other type of song that Bryce's characters often get is what I would call the sassy variety. This next song is my favorite example of one of those. This is the song Mary With Me, again from the grass harp. A major component of this type of song is its frank acknowledgement of the character's sexuality, which Bryce expresses in this performance in the most delicious way. I could be settled down right now with a man of my own if only I'd answer the letter. Marry with me, he wrote. Catherine, marry with me. Love, Bill. What worries my mind is which one of the bills it was that wrote that letter. I wonder if it was a Bill who had a tattoo on his chest, a huzzy all undressed. He was a plumber. Come to fix my faucet. Didn't have the tools to find the leak. He lasted out the week. Stayed the summer, played the ukulele, me 
happiest man on the scene. He kept my garden green, did all my seeding. Muscles looked so ripply. Didn't dare refuse him what he asked. The high point of my past, what I've been needing. Lasted up to what I'm success for Carol Bryce was in the Houston Grand Opera production of Porgy and Bess, which many still consider to be the definitive production of that problematic work. She appeared in that production in the role of Mariah, which she had first appeared in in 1961. Here is her confrontation with the drug dealer and glad man sporting life. He tries to make nicey-nicey with her, and she ain't having none of it. I'm not sure exactly what this moment is musically, but it's pretty fascinating. What do you think you're doing? That stuff costs money. Listen here. I ain't saying nothing no matter how drunk you get these boys around here on rod good whiskey. But nobody ain't gonna peddle happy dust around my hear what I say Oh, come on now, old lady Lest you and me be friends Friends with you, lowlife? Hell no I hate your strutting style Yes, and your goddamn silly smile And your ten cent diamonds and your five cent butts In 1968, while appearing as Mariah in Porgy and Bess in Europe, Carol Bryce met the man who would become her second husband, Thomas Carey. 
He had a significant career. He had already been living over in Europe. Thomas Carey, of course, appeared frequently as Porgy, but he also appeared in the part of Mel in the premiere of Michael Tippett's strange-slash-wonderful opera, The Knot Garden. I'm not going to play anything from The Knot Garden for you today, but I did want to play two short excerpts of Thomas Carey singing. The first is the spiritual Sister Mary Had But One Child, arranged by Roland Hayes. This is a 1970 recording with Urs Schneider conducting the Nuremberger Symphonica. Sister Mary had but one child, in and every time of the So often, African-American singers who had emigrated to Germany, especially in that era, were expected to perform certain songs, including songs of Stephen Foster. We certainly encountered that with other singers that I've discussed over the course of this podcast. Lawrence Winters, Kenneth Spencer, Thomas Carey also performed a good deal of this repertoire. I know it's problematic, and I'm not offering any of the wistful, oh, I'm so longing for the old plantation kinds of songs. But I do have two Stephen Foster songs, one sung by Thomas Carey and one by Carol Bryce. The first is Thomas Carey singing I Dream of Jeannie with a Light Brown Hair. with a 
Stephen Foster was quite a melodist. Here is one of his most beautiful songs, recorded by Carol Bryce in 1947. This is called Ah, May That Red Rose Live Alway. In the late 60s, Thomas Carey relocated to Norman, Oklahoma, where he became a member of the faculty of the University of Oklahoma there. Carol Bryce joined him there in 1974, where she also served on the faculty. While they both lived there, they founded the Cimarron Circuit Opera Company, which they ran jointly until her death of cancer at age 66 in February 1985. Thomas Carey continued to oversee the operations of the opera company until his own death in 2002. Today, the company is known simply as Cimarron Opera, and it remains a vital institution, maintaining its operations in spite of the restrictions currently in place with the pandemic. We began with the spiritual, and as the program today winds down, I'm going to end with the spiritual as well. This is Carol Bryce in her vocal prime interpreting the song Witness as arranged by Hall Johnson. She sings this song with such a fantastic characterization and attitude. I just love it so much, and I hope that you do too. He stood still now, ain't that a witness for my Lord? Ain't that a witness for my Lord? Ain't that a witness for my Lord? So is a witness for my Lord. You read about Samson at his birth, the strongest man that ever lived on earth. Way back yonder in the ancient times, he killed ten thousand of the Philistines. And you know Samson made a walking about. Samson's strength was never found out Till his wife sat upon his knee She said, tell me where your strength lies, if you please Samson's wife, she 
Samson said to cut off of my hair, shave my head just as clean as your hand, and my strength will come like a natural man. Old Samson was a witness for my Lord. Samson was a witness for my Lord. Samson was a witness for my Lord. Saul is a witness for my Lord. Old days are not a witness. Old days are not a witness. I first encountered Carol Bryce's voice in a recording of Sweet Little Jesus Boy, that spiritual-like Christmas song that was, in fact, written by a Southern white man named Robert McGimsey. This 1947 performance of Carol Bryce has such a directness to it, such compassion, and it's all sung in a voice that makes one feel that one is being enveloped in velvet. Save us, Lord, to take our sins away. 
During her lifetime, Carol Bryce was awarded many citations that acknowledged and celebrated her contributions. To this day, she is remembered as one of the most significant pathbreakers for African-American classical singers. Many of her recordings for Columbia and RCA of concert repertoire, operas, and musicals have been reissued. Her papers are held at the Amistad Research Center of Tulane University. The Carol Bryce Music Association of North Carolina, which is the sole statewide branch of the National Association of Negro Musicians, proudly bears the name of its native daughter. In short, her legacy lives on, and I am so honored to have been able to share some of that with you today. My friends, do join me on Patreon for the Lucretia West episode, and don't forget to join me next week when I have another great African-American singer to bring to you. Until then, my friends, keep the song in your hearts. Daniel Kuntlach.